Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've had a number of sermon, sermons in this series responding to Christ so far. We've seen different responses. So we saw Nathaniel's initial skepticism of Christ, how it turned to a confession of faith. Last week, the disciples responded in awe and wonder as the Lord Jesus calmed the wind and the waves on the Sea of Galilee. This week, our text is from John 6, and here we have an example of contrast. You see two main responses to, to Christ, and it's, it's uh, contrasting examples. We see some people utterly reject Christ's teaching, and they walk away from Him. And then we see, on the other hand, some who embrace Him and confess their faith in Him. And this is often the case when it comes to the, our Lord Jesus Christ and the preaching of the gospel. And the Canons of Dort, one of our confessions, it describes something of this. In chapter 1 it, of the Canons of Dort, it describes the preaching of the gospel, saying, By this ministry of the gospel, people are called to repentance and to faith in Christ crucified. But what happens? All the canons of Dort describe a twofold outcome. Some do not believe this gospel and face the judgment of God, and some, by God's grace, do believe and are given eternal life. And our text describes this contrast so clearly for us this morning. But the significance for us is not only so that we can shape our doctrine rightly, and also impresses upon us the need to respond rightly to our Lord Jesus Christ, to respond in faith to Him. Let's see in this text the different responses, the contrasting responses, and let us respond in the way of eternal life. And so as I preach to you God's Word this morning, I'll do so under the following theme and points. Do not walk away from Christ, but come to Him, the Holy One of God. And we will see, come to Christ, first of all, despite His harsh teaching, harsh in quotation marks, uh, come to Christ, second, to gain eternal life, and third, by the Father's power. So John chapter 6, it, be it begins with that well-known miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, 5,000 people doesn't even include the women and the children present. And Christ used a few barley loaves and a few small fish to feed them all. And this wasn't just a small snack either. Everyone ate just as much as he wanted. Now, understandably, the, the people were quite captivated by this miracle. They exclaimed, as they saw this miracle, surely this is the prophet who was to come into the world. See, God promised long ago to raise up a prophet like Moses for Israel. And Moses, of course, was a prophet of God during Israel's wilderness wanderings. And this miraculous feeding of, done by Christ seemed to remind the people of the manna in the desert given in the time of Moses. 
In fact, this miracle in John 6 is said to have taken place in a remote location, a a wilderness area. That's also where the, the manna was given for Israel, in a wilderness, desolate area. And so the connections were there. They were real, and the people thought, surely this miraculous bread was a sign of the prophet like Moses to come. And the people, they were not wrong to think this. They were not wrong in thinking this. Christ was the prophet to come into the world. But it says in verse 15, the people, they wanted to make him king by force. And already already we see problems in their thinking. Yes, Christ was the prophet, just as they had confessed So what should they have done? Listened closely to his words, believe them, and obey them. For all, he was the prophet, prophet of God. Well, Christ knew their intentions to make him king, and so he withdrew from them. Eventually, Christ and his disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee to the region of Capernaum. But this did not stop the crowd from seeking the Lord Jesus. They eagerly looked for Him. They were searching for Christ intently, wanting to find Him again. And eventually they did. And we might think at first that this is great. The Israelites are coming to Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. This is what they should do. And Christ really is gaining a following in Israel. This is thousands or thousands of people following Him. Isn't this what the Lord Jesus wanted? Now, it is true that Christ wanted His own people to recognize Him and to follow Him. As as He rode into Jerusalem a week before He died, Christ Himself said about Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings but you are not willing. But here the people are willing, coming by the thousands. But there was still a problem. They were seeking Christ for the wrong reasons. And we see that from what we read in John 6. The crowds asked where Christ had gone, and the Lord responded, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, the miraculous feeding, but because you ate your filled of the loaves. They didn't really want a prophet. They weren't really looking for someone to save them from their sins. Their minds were simply set on food on material things. They were not seeking eternal life in Christ. They wanted Jesus to give them their best life now. The Lord Jesus was not willing to do this. In fact, He could not do this. It would be wrong, and so He taught them further. He said, do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Of course, Christ is speaking of Himself. 
He gives eternal life to the world. The people, though, in response, they keep thinking about physical food. They wanted Christ to give them bread like the manna eaten by the Israelites in the desert. But they've missed the main thing. Both the manna in the desert in the time of the Exodus and the bread Christ gave to them the day before was always meant to give away to something far greater, Christ himself. That bread in the wilderness and the feeding of the 5,000 could not give them true life. Christ can. The crowd just did not get it. In fact, the Jews grumbled at his words, much like Israel grumbled in the wilderness against God. And so Christ, right before our text, he becomes even more emphatic. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Well, these are shocking words. But what Christ is trying to get across to them is that they need to believe in him. They need to appropriate him by faith. They need to find eternal life in His person, in His sacrifice. They need to become one with Him to have eternal life. These words here, they offended the Jews deeply. Not only did it sound like cannibalism, which it's not, but drinking blood was against the law. Every Jew knew that. God forbade Israel from drinking blood. And why? Because the life was in the blood. But that's the point. Life is in the blood of Christ, eternal life. And everyone needs His blood to give them eternal life. But upon speaking these words, we read in verse 60, when many of His disciples heard it, not the twelve disciples, but others, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? You can even translate it, this is a harsh saying. That's why I made the first point as I did. This is a harsh saying. They themselves confessed earlier that Jesus was a prophet, but they didn't want to listen to him if he said hard things. They are fair-weathered disciples. They liked it when Christ gave them food. They were willing to follow him far and wide for that. But now Christ gives some hard teachings. And so now many of Jesus' followers turned back and they followed him no longer. And they walked away from eternal life. And we must never be proud. This temptation can happen to any of us as well. You know, God's Word 
does often contain difficult teachings or difficult things for us to accept. There are many, any number of teachings that people struggle with from the Bible. Some people might struggle over the doctrine of election, God choosing some people to eternal life before the foundation of the world and passing over others. There's also the Scripture's teaching on hell, God's everlasting punishment on sinners can be difficult to comprehend. Scripture's sexual ethics are far from popular today that sex is reserved for marriage between one man and one woman. Many refuse to accept it. What about some of the Bible's teachings on the role of women in the church? Listen to 1 Corinthians 14. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. And maybe as I read those words, some of you even bristle at them. Seems hard. And Christ himself gives us hard teachings at times. Think about what he says about the cost of this discipleship. If, if anyone loves father or mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Right? Often we might struggle with some of these things, not easy. Maybe you've struggled with some of these things for a long time. And when that happens, we might be tempted to cut certain parts of the Bible out of our Bibles. Or maybe to try to ignore them or simply explain them away. Or we might be tempted to respond in the same way as these people in our text to walk away from Christ saying, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And when we are at that moment, we face a crossroads in our devotion to Christ. It's a checkpoint that tests us, tests our faith. It tests whether we are true disciples of the Lord Jesus or simply fair-weathered followers of Christ. And the stakes are high. How we respond and which path we take will affect us for all eternity. Think of these people in our text. They no longer followed Christ. They walked away from the one who could give them eternal life. And that's why it's important to seek help if, if you are really struggling. Satan will tempt you to walk away from Christ because of something in the Bible that you don't like. And he, remember, he, he wants your soul. He wants to drag you off to destruction with him. And it's okay to struggle at times. I think most Christians do at some point. But walking away from Christ is not the answer. So we need each other. We need also to encourage each other in the faith. That brings us to our next point. So that was the, the negative side 
Walking away from Christ brings death. But on the flip side, in Christ there is eternal life. And he says in our text, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. They are a product of the spirit. They are life-giving. Eternal life is found in his words, in believing them, in believing in Christ. Still, many of his followers stopped following him. But then Christ turned, or they turned their backs on him. And when they did, Christ turned to his 12 disciples. And he asked them, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered wonderfully, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And this is at the heart of this text. It's almost as if the entire chapter has been building to this point. In this chapter, Christ has been teaching the people hard things. Our Lord is certainly not a seeker-sensitive person. He came to proclaim the truth. And as Christ proclaimed the unvarnished truth, it was just too much for some people. They walked away. The question Christ asked His twelve disciples, do you want to go away as well, is asked also of us. Peter's response is spot on. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And notice Peter doesn't deny that some of Christ's teachings sound difficult, even maybe harsh to the human ear. He's not saying, I don't know what everyone's problem is. This teaching is a snap. But he recognizes even if some things that Christ says are difficult. It's much harder to walk away from Christ. For in Him, in Him there is eternal life. And may that be impressed upon us also. Maybe times where you really struggle. Maybe your mind is filled with turmoil for a time because of some teaching. Remember, in those times, the devil will tempt you. But hold on to these words, Lord, I may be struggling, but to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. And yes, where would we go? Other teachings, religions, other worldviews, they may be easier to swallow at times. They might feel soft, but they are harsher in the end. They might seem easier, but they do not give life. They put a person on the broad road to destruction. And no other religion or philosophy, no other way of life is, is built on the truth as the truth of the Bible is. And so those other ways will fail. And in this regard, I really appreciate the words of a man named J. Warren Wallace. I don't know too much about him, but he's a former atheist turned Christian. Former atheist turned Christian. And now he spends much time defending the Christian faith as an apologist. And he had this to say, I'm not a Christian 
because it works for me. I had a life prior to Christianity that seemed to be working just fine. And my life as a Christian hasn't always been easy. I am a Christian because it is true. And I'm a Christian because I want to live in a way that reflects the truth. I'm a Christian because my high regard for the truth leaves me no alternative. And that's it. We are believers because the Holy Spirit has impressed upon our hearts that it is true. We follow scripture teach, Scripture's teaching because to believe some other worldview is to believe a lie. Lord, to whom shall we get, go? You have the words of eternal life. And Peter adds, and we have believed and we have known that you are the Holy One of God. He's the one set apart by God to be the Savior. And He is perfect and He is holy in Himself so that He could save us from our sins. And Christ, the Holy One of God, went all the way to the cross to give us eternal life. Jesus Christ has the words of eternal life. He says His words, they are life-giving, they are, they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Listen only to some of his words in John 6. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all that he has given to me, but I will raise him up on the last day. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the living bread. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Hold on to Christ. Maybe you feel that some of His teachings are difficult, maybe even hard, but do not harden your heart against Him. Come to Christ. Come to Him. Believe in Him for the forgiveness of your sins through His cross, and you will gain eternal life. That brings us to our last point. Now, it is true that some of Jesus' words in John 6 are, are quite shocking. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And then he adds, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And, and that's startling. And again, Christ is he's not promoting some type of cannibalism or something like that. Uh, neither is he teaching some kind of magical change to the bread and wine in the Lord's Supper. He's emphasizing that we need to come to him, believe in him, and be united to Him for eternal life. However, given His words, we might not be surprised at the people's response. Right? This is a hard teaching. And yes, it is a hard teaching. They said, who can listen to it? Or we could paraphrase, who can accept it? And that's a great question. Indeed, who can listen to this? Who can accept it? And the answer is, no one can. No one on their own can accept Christ's words or God's words in the Bible. Not me, not you. 
Christ affirms this in our text, verse 65, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. People were correct. Who can accept this? Well, no one can on their own. On our own, we would never come to Christ. We would never believe in Him. It's only through the powerful working of God's Spirit that we do come to Christ. Christ said the same thing in verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And this is not the, the drawing as in wooing someone to try come to you or trying to convince someone to come to you. This is like a polling motion. Think of drawing in a fishing net to bring fish into a bone. Think of drawing a sword. It's the work of God to bring us to Christ, to illumine our hearts, to illumine our minds and to change our hearts to come, to come to Him. It's not by our own power or goodness. We can never take credit ourselves. It's God's gift. And this is what we confess in the canons of Dord. God, by His powerful power and love, works to unfailingly bring us to faith in Christ. This is what we mean when we talk about irresistible grace. I'm going to read Article 12 of Chapter 3, 4 of the Canons of Dort. It's a bit longer quote, but it puts it so well. This conversion is the regeneration, the new creation, the raising from the dead, the making alive so highly spoken of in Scripture, which God works in us without us. But this regeneration is by no means brought about only by outward teaching, by moral persuasion, or by such a mode of operation that after God has done His part, it remains in the power of man to be regenerated or not regenerated, converted or not converted. It is, however, clearly a supernatural, most powerful, and at the same time most delightful, marvelous, mysterious, and inexpressible work. And according to Scripture, regeneration is not inferior in power to creation or the raising of the dead. Hence, all those in whose hearts God works in this amazing way are certainly, unfailingly, and effectually regenerated and do actually believe. And then the will so renewed is not only acted upon and moved by God, but acted upon by God, the will itself also acts Therefore, man himself is rightly said to believe and repent through the grace he has received. This is the grace of God to us who believe. No one can come to Christ unless the Father draws him. And so if you have come to Christ in faith, you have only God the Father to, to thank the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. This is something we praise God for as we profess our faith in Him. This is something, Elijah, we've talked about over the last number of months too, teaching of Scripture that faith 
is a gift of God. What should our response be? Respond in praise, in humility, in thanksgiving. God, by His grace, has brought us to Christ. Who can accept this teaching? No one can on their own. We do so only because of God's electing and sovereign love. As Christ says, All whom the Father has given to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Amen. Let us respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing together hymn 61, the stanzas 1 and 2.